This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atid and WebYeshiva.org. Recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haramban. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live interactive online shiurim today. This shir, this shir is dedicated uh, by Bati and Eddie Jacobs in memory of Dr. Chuck Feldman, Zichrona Lebrocha. Uh, the Jacobs know, knew Rabbi, uh, Dr. Feldman long before I met him, and they are—they uh, were uh, uh, fans. And I only met the Dr. Feldman recently, and I became a fan. So I'm very happy for this opportunity of uh, giving a shear in his in his memory. Um, Okay, Megillat Esther, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Megillat Esther. Now, Megillat Esther is, you know, a very strange story. Right? It's very hard to understand what really happened and how it happened and who are the forces. However, however, uh, we can talk about it nevertheless. Even though there's something about Megillat Esther that remains mysterious, we can talk about Megillat is there in a variety of ways. We could talk about the people that appear in the Megillah. We could talk about Esther. We could talk about Achashverosh. We could talk about people and, and how they appear to us in the Megillah. And what they did. And who the good people were. And how good they were. And who the bad people were. And how bad they were. And, um, and this is something that's very common. You know, very common to talk about uh, the righteousness of Esther, because it's not entirely clear that she was righteous. And also the uh, the uh, brilliance of Mordechai, because uh, there's some things that Mordechai did that apparently were not so brilliant. Like uh, maybe if he would have bowed down to Haman, when Haman walked by, then the story would never have happened. The whole problem would not have happened. As we said, that we were talking a little bit about... Uh, about the declaration of Purim as a holiday. And it's hard to understand you know, how you could have a two-day holiday, one day celebrated in some places and another day celebrated in other places. But the, I don't want to talk about any of those things tonight. What I want to talk about is a theme that seems to me to run through Migilat Esther. And to get a feeling for that theme, we will uh, we'll look at a uh, uh, we'll look at some psukim. Uh, the the party that Achashverosh made at the beginning of the Megillah for representatives of the 127 Medinot under his control. This is called an empire. An empire in the old days was um, when one nation, first Babylonia and then Persia, maybe the Medes were involved, uh, Chaldeans, these are names of empires. Uh, One nation was able to force many other smaller nations to pay tribute, like taxes. That was the, the idea of getting a, an empire. There weren't enough people in your country to support 
the lifestyle that you wanted to, to have, you the king. So you conquered somebody else and you made them pay taxes. And everybody's paying taxes and you're able to, um, to live in this remarkable way. And Achashverosh, after uh, several years went by, he wanted to show everybody that he had, was successful in collecting enough of the money from all these other nations to live in a style that was unprecedented. And the party that he made was not about eating or drinking, but it was about showing what the wealth of a Hashverosh could produce. And so the Pasuk says, in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Vav, Chur Kapasut Tchelet, Achuz Bechavlei Butzva Argaman, Arglilei Kesev Vavudei Sheish. Because you just look at the words. I mean, what was it that the people saw? They saw Tchelet, Butz, you know, silk, and, and, uh, and uh, purple-colored uh, garments. Purple was a, was a very special kind of color, as you know. And it was, it was only in, in Roman times, much later, reserved. You know, the Romans were the ones who did not allow anybody else to color their clothing purple, which is why the Jews, or the reason that the Jews lost tchelet, you know, for the tzitzit. They disappeared. Well, we don't have tchelet. Well, now there is an attempt at rejuvenating, you know, some form of tchelet, which you know, seems like a reasonable thing to do, but the point that I'm making is that Tchelet was seen to be, or it's called, royal purple. It's not, uh, a, only the kings could wear purple, purple garments. So he says, Glile Kesev, Sheish, Kesev, imagine that. You know, the beds are made out of gold and silver, Ritzpat, Bat, Vesheish, and, uh, and special kind of Ivory floors, you know, this is what there was. Vashkot beklei zahav, the keilim, the keilim shonim, v'yein malchut v'yadar ha-melech. You know that Chazal say that, Pasuk um, Zayin, you see the Rashi, uh, Rashi, Rashi points out, Chazal points out that the, Chazal uh, uh, points out that the, the, Kalim that he used were the Kalim from the Beit HaMikdash. In, in, in other words, super, they weren't just golden, but they were from the temple. And in those days, of course, you know, temples were meaningful. I mean, even if it wasn't your temple, it was somebody else's temple. It was all, all meaningful. So then, um, so, so that's the party. The party, it was, it was such a party that in the, in the Megillah, it, what is recorded is that it was a really fancy party. And the reason for that is that that somehow justifies uh, Achashverosh. Who is Achashverosh? He's the one who could raise the money. He's the one who could put out the party. He's the one who has this power. And therefore, if you come to the party, you're accepting the situation. That's, that's uh, then... Uh, in Pasuk, in Pasuk Yud Aleph, you see the, there should be a space. There is sort of a space. It says that Vachashverus decided Laviat Vashtia Malka, Lefnea Melech Malchut. So, 
Lavid Vashti. Okay, there are all kinds of theories about why the king decided to bring Vashti. But he brought her Beketer Malchut. Keter Malchut means her authority. It represents the authority that she had. Where she got this authority from is, is speculative. But he wanted to say, I even have absolute control over Vashti. There are those who say, you know, that Achashverosh uh, doesn't have a father. That's his name. What about his father? Ah, his father sold herring in Machane Yehuda. In other words, his father was not a king. And therefore, therefore he's like edited out. It's only if your father's a king do you mention the, your, your father. Now, Vashti, in those days, the custom was, you went and you killed the king. You killed the king, you made yourself king, and then you married him or took his consort as your wife. So it, it could have been that Vashti had uh, some independent, like in the politics, the court politics, right? It could be that Vashti was a factor, that she had her own power. So the king said, now that I've got this party going and everybody's here paying me homage and all this gold and silver is running around, now I'm going to bring Vashti so that everybody will understand, that everybody understand that I that I'm in charge, right? Everybody will understand that I'm in charge. So, so, Raviyat Vashtiya Malkalaf Nea Melech Beketa Malchut Larot Ha'amim Vasarim Et Yafya Ki Tovat Marehi Laharot. I mean, the important thing is not that she was beautiful, but it was Laharot, that he was in control. He was the one who determined whether she came, whether she left, what she was doing. That's what, that's what the Pasuk says. Then Pasuk Yudbet, absolutely ha- impossible to believe, it must be that Vashti thought that her independence of the king would, would win. She didn't do this in order to commit suicide. She did this because she thought she could get away with it. And she thought she could get away with it because, in some way, she was an independent an independent operative. So that's Vashti. He got angry, and his anger burnt inside of him. Right? It burnt. So now, it turns out, it turns out that, that there's a lot of show here. There's a lot of uh, what they call today chitzoniyut. That, that the emphasis, who was Achashverosh? He was the person who wanted to show everybody his wealth, his power, his ability, his ability to, to buy uh, uh, the latest charsina, right? His ability to plaster it on the walls and the floors. That's what he understood as being malchut. That's what, it was, if, he, if he was like a kind of a scholarly king and sat in his room and read books, well, that just wouldn't do it. What does it is the ability to spend a lot of money and to show things that most people can't, can't get. That was the Hashverosh. 
Achashverosh was an external, external per, per, uh, person. And then he said, he said, if you look at Pasuk uh, Yud Aleph again, that, that she was a queen, but subservient to him. She's a queen, she has Keter Malchut. She has a, she has a crown. Okay, if you look at uh, the next the section, Peregbet and Esther. Now, Peregbet is uh, a description of Esther, Esther preparing for the contest. For the contest. I mean, what was the contest about? What was the contest about? Who would be chosen queen in place of Vashti? Now, on what basis was this decision going to be made? So we imagine that it was like a modern day, um, like a Miss America kind of contest or something. You have all these girls parading around and you have judges who are sitting there looking very unhappy and deciding something or other. I mean, of course, I mean, this is ridiculous. Only, only Americans could think of such a thing, you know, like uh, that you could, you could somehow figure out who deserves to be Miss America. But in the Persia, in the ancient Persia, they didn't have any delusion of this kind. So look what the Psukim say. Vatitava narabe enav, vatisachesed lifanav. Vatitav, she, she was worthy, she was tov, and vatisachesed lifanav. What is chesed? I don't know. But it's not, what is it not? It's not beauty in the conventional. There was something about her which he found attractive. This is Hegai. So, so she already was a winner. In other words, she already somehow became the queen. Who decided that she would become the queen? Who decided if this is correct? Hegai. Suris HaMelech, Shomer HaNashem. He decided. So if he decided that Esther was going to be the queen and treated her so royally, and she was able to, uh, to be the queen, even before she was chosen by the king, so on what basis was she chosen? What basis did, 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 did Haggai have? So he says, the Pesach says, Vatitav Be'enav. He liked her. He thought she was worthy. And then as a result of that, in other words, they still had to make it look like there was some kind of competition. She's like, 12 months, she's taking a bath. You know, and, 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 and getting massages. You imagine this? So that, that obviously it was not relevant. What was it that they were looking for? What was it that, that Achashverosh and Hegai were looking for in a queen that made Esther the obvious choice? Why was it? 
Why was it that Achashverosh chose Daniel and his friends? Remember Daniel, Mishach, Shadrach, Avednego? They were chosen by Achashverosh. What were they chosen for? They were chosen to be the young, uh, uh, the young Turks of the foreign ministry. They were going to study uh, international relations. They received scholarships to uh, to uh, study with the greatest minds of that of the day. Now, what was it about Daniel and his friends that was so attractive to Achashverosh? I mean, after all, why would Achashverosh want to uh, uh, pick the exiles, those who were exiled from Yehuda, by him? The, 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 the temple was destroyed. Obviously, these people are all frustrated. You remember, it got, the, it, it got everybody into some trouble because, because, because Daniel and his friends, they didn't want to eat the same food. They went to Daven all the time. So it was like this kind of a problem. But what did Ahasuerus see in them? What he saw in them was that they had no power base. The opportunity is like the Abarbanel in the in the court of of the king of Spain. They had, Ahasuerus was not concerned that they would rebel. The only, there was their protection, protection of Daniel and his friends, came because of their connection to Ahasuerus. And since they had no family, and since the same thing is true about Esther, she had no family, meaning that I mean, she didn't have a name, right? She didn't have a name, because her name was Hadassah. But they didn't have identity cards. And when she went to the, uh, to the contest, she said her name was Esther. And Esther, Esther, obviously, she wasn't related to anybody. Nobody, because if you had asked anybody in the country, do you know Esther? They'd all say no. She had no connection to anybody at all. And since she had no connection to anybody at all, she was found to be the perfect alternative to Vashti. Because Vashti, when you put the Keter Malchut on her, she decided she was independent. She didn't have to uh, toe the, to the line. She didn't have to be uh, 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 listen to everything that Hashverosh said. But you'll see from now on, Esther assumes a position of humility. I haven't been called. I haven't seen the king. I haven't had anything to do with him. I mean, this is not what they call Heisa You know, this is uh, like she married her, but that was it. It's like, it's like Shlomo Melech marrying the Queen of Sheba. You know, like, hello, like, what else is new? You know, somehow, you know, there are two stories about Shlomo Melech marrying the, the Queen of Sheba. One is in, in, the, in the book of, uh, of Melachim, where it seems to be, like, trivial. And then there's a, uh, an Ethiopian version of the same story, where, you know, the Queen of Sheba turns out to be in charge of everything. So, the perception is what counts. And the perception of a Ahasuerosh was that Esther filled a blank space. As long as she was there, no one else was going to go and take that, that position. But she, Esther, had no power, 
had no importance, was not even connected to Achashverosh in a, in a serious way. Pasuk Yud Bet and Perik Bet, We'll go to it's not like the, it's not the, uh, the contest. It's not like she's in a, on a, in a car, an open car, and standing there waving like Kate Middleton. Or so it's not like that. They are the people who had to make a decision. You remember that Achashverosh had a problem with Vashti. He went to ask his, his men, what should I do? I mean, Achashverosh was either good at, at, uh, at uh, consulting or Achashverosh may have been just, you know, not clever. But Beinekoro Eha doesn't mean the thousands of people who are in the streets, but it means the group of people who had to make that decision. So you see Esther. Esther, uh, it says, then Pasuk Yudzain, Vayehava Melechet Esther Mikol Anashim, now, you know, Vayehav, that's a, like a word in Hebrew. It could mean romantic love, but it could also mean preferred, a preferred uh, situation. Achashverosh said, this is a good deal. Here's a woman who doesn't have a family, is not one of the 127 nations. She's related vaguely to people who are conquered and exiled and brought to Persia and have absolutely no voice and no power. And so he, he said uh, that as a result, Vayasem Keter Malchut Birosha Vayamlicheha Tachad Vashti. So there's the word Malchut has already two meanings. There's the Malchut of Vashti and the Malchut of Esther. The Malchut, the Keter Malchut of Vashti represented power. Not enough power wasn't able to save her from the wrath of the king, but there was a certain amount of power involved in Vashti putting on, putting on the Keter, putting on the Keter Malchut. But we understand that when that Keter Malchut was transferred to Esther and she became the queen, no power at all. She, hadn't, she didn't have a say. There wasn't anything that she could... Uh, so that you see that the clothing the clothing of the king or the clothing of the queen does not have, do not have a single objective kind of meaning. You could be, you could look like a king and have no power. You could look, which is the situation today in certain European countries, right? You know, when, when Queen Elizabeth gets dressed up to open a parliament or whatever, she, that's when they do it, and she probably takes her a week to get dressed. You know, like she got all this stuff. I mean, everybody knows. Everybody knows when you go to see the crown jewels that they are the crown jewels. But it, it's like there's no body. There's no body related to the crown jewels. All you have is the crown jewels. So you know. You know that Masha Hayah Enenu. There's no king that 
to fit in. Otherwise, he, they put a plastic cast of a king. But there isn't any. There's no king. There's no queen. I mean, she uh, has the burden of wearing that stuff once a year. But, but she's not really a queen of anything in particular. Right? She doesn't make any decisions. She, uh, I mean, she has a lot of money, but that is not the point. So, means that the king agreed that Esther was the best choice. It wasn't that kind of romantic love that we like to think about, but it was just a practical decision. Is she the right one? Is she going to do what I wanted to do and, and, and stay out of any kind of power struggle so I could run the show on my own? Fine. Now, Perik Dalit. Perik Dalit, you have another story. Mordechai Yadad Kolasha Naasa. Vaikra Mordechai Bigadava Yivas Sakva Eifer. Vayetsei Bitocha Yivizak Zaakag Dolamara. So, his reaction, Mordechai, to the news that Haman was planning to uh, decimate the Jewish people was Aveilut was Avelut. What is the sign of Avelut? Vayikra Mordechai et begadav vayilbash sak va'efer. Vayilbash sak va'efer. So now just analyze. What happens to somebody who is an Avel? What, what, what is it that he's saying? He or she. Vayikra et begadav. What's the message? The message, I think, is that there's no room for you in the greater society. That the, the community, I mean, you're not part of the community. Who rends his clothes? Somebody who, who doesn't care what others will think of him. Someone who is not concerned about the impression that he makes. That's why he cried Begadav. What's why you basakva eifer? What's why basakva eifer? It's the opposite of malchut. No control. No, uh, no representation of self as having worth. You remember that this is what the reaction was in Ninveh. Remember Ninveh? When Yonah came to Nineveh and said, 40 days, that's all you have. So they all went to do tshuva. Now why couldn't they get dressed up to do tshuva? I mean, what is, what, what do they all have to, no, no, they all wore sak va'efa. All the people in Nineveh. This is like a universal thing. It's a universal thing that, that, that when destruction is about to come, you take yourself out of the community. You're not there when, when you know the punishment is about to come. Which is why, why uh, well, well, we'll see. I mean, you, you could add in a lot of things, but that's, that's what, what Mordechai did. You can't go into the community. You can't be part of the Power which keeps the community together, the king, and we're sakva You can't say that you're out of it. 
You know, when you get dressed up, let me say somebody gets invited to go to the uh, to see the president of the United States. I don't know how it is in Israel. You know, Israel everything is fucked. But but if you if, if you had a, some odd reason been invited to visit the president of the United States, you would probably, even if you're an Israeli, wear a suit and a tie, a man. You'd wear, you'd look, you'd look proper. You wouldn't look like the schlepper you look like all week long. You'd get dressed up to see the king because malchut is, is emphasized if everybody around them looks good. But if everybody around them looks bad, then what exactly are you the king of? I mean, you're the king of a bunch of schleppers. And to be the king of a bunch of schleppers is no big deal. So here you see, here you see that, that, that in Persia, everybody knew that if you wear sakva ether, you can't go to see, you can't go to see the king. And of course, this is how the story gets set up. That, that Mordechai, Mordechai could not go to see the king. Even though Mordechai was smart, and Mordechai was understanding, and Mordechai was knowledgeable, but he created a situation which prohibited him from being the representative of his people to the king. On the other hand, Esther, Esther, uh, she's a, she has a different, uh, uh, he says, Tavona narot Esther v'sarisea, she, she went into catatonic withdrawal. Esther. Why? What's what Tilchalchal? So here's a Meshuggah and Mordechai sitting outside and he's wearing Sakva Ether. So what is, what is Esther so, so unhappy about? Well, Esther realized that if Mordechai is wearing a sakba va'efer, the only person left in the world who could go to the king and ask for mercy was her. And that's what she was, that's what she was obviously afraid of. And so in Perakei Pasuk Aleph, the next section, Vahiba Yom HaShlishi Vatilbash Ester Malchut Vatamod B'chatzar Beit HaMelcha Pnimit Nochach Beit HaMelech. So Esther got dressed up. And what did Achashverosh see standing there before his eyes? He saw control. That he controlled Malchut. That the Malchut of Esther was in his hands. And he liked that. Even though he hadn't talked to her for a long time. He said, oh great, look who's here. My queen, my queen meaning the queen that I am in control of. He was sitting on the, he was sitting there. Okay, so you see that the clothing makes all the difference. Of, not the difference of whether you're the Kayim of Mitzvah of Avelus. Or, or, or whether you're doing the right thing when you go to the king. But the clothing makes the man. Or the woman in this place. Like, who can do it? Who can save the Jewish people? Mordechai can't. Because Mordechai is in a state of Avelut. And Avelut is a 
post-facto kind of situation. It's happened. So that's what Mordechai was saying. Mordechai saying, I can't do anything about this. I can't help the people. And the only one left was Esther, who uh, had to wear the clothing of Malchut. Esther Peregvav. You see towards the bottom of the page, where Yeroh Haman, remember the story, uh, Haman showed up, I mean, Chashverus uh, uh, was reading this book, and it said that Mordechai put in a good word with Biktan and Teresh, and, and, and Chashverus decided, Chashverus decided that the time had come to honor somebody again who didn't have, uh, who had no power. You know, who was, who was nobody. And that was Mordechai. So, along comes Haman. So what did Haman say? That kavod goes to those who have kavod. He made a mistake, Haman. Haman couldn't believe that the king would be interested in honoring somebody who had no power. We're skipping a few psukim. Because obviously, you could see uh, the it's a play on on the situation. Mordechai himself, what was he wearing? Sakva Efer. Mordechai was saying, I can't do it. I don't have any soldiers. I don't have any, any clout. I can't go to the king. I can't change anything. And what did the king say? The king said, no. It's people like you that I'm interested in. I'm not interested in Haman. Because Haman represents the opposition to the king. As you see at the end of the Megillah, right? As soon as Achashverosh had a, had a chance to get rid of Haman, he just did it. Uh, Haman represented the opposition. And that opposition, that opposition he was very wary of. Mordechai did not, no opposition. The only thing in history that Mordechai, we knew about Mordechai was that he helped the king with Bigtan and Teresh. He helped the king, he helped the king, uh, 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 he saved the king. He saved the king. So, Mordechai himself was a sakva efer. Whereas the king said to Mordechai, no, no, big day malchut. You're going to wear the clothes of, of the monarchy, of leadership, of independence. You're the one. So that this was the miracle of Purim. The miracle of Purim was, this I'm telling you as an aside, we'll get back to our topic in a minute, but the miracle of Purim was that Mordechai didn't think that he could save the people. But the king and Haman showed Mordechai that he could save the Jewish people. How? They took off his sack, the Efer, and they put on Bidei Malchut. So we see again that Bidei Malchut symbolize the power of, of existence, of, of, uh, 
managing to get through the, the, the difficult times, that's what big day manchut are. You have control after a fashion of your environment, of the political situation you find yourself in. That's big day malchut. That's malchut. Sakva eifer, you have no control. Things happen to you. You have no way of dealing with them. You feel yourself excluded from the community. Sakva eifer. Mordechai went from one state to another. Who were the emissaries of HaKadosh Baruch to teach Mordechai what the reality was? Achashverosh and Haman. Achashverosh and Haman were the great teachers of Mordechai. And they said, no sak, no efer, bigdei malchut. Now it's true that in the story it turns out to be like a kind of a, a vignette, almost like a, like a Shakespearean com- comedy interlude, you know. But in fact, the message is quite clear, as is often true in the co- comic interludes, that the message is quite clear, even though you may laugh. Here also you might laugh. But the message is clear that Mordechai is going to save the Jewish people. I know you may have thought that it was Esther. But the message, of the, the literary message in the story, as I see it, is that Mordechai is going to save the Jewish people. Now, the next side of the page... Well, it says that he would make money. In, in other words, Achashverosh was a, an empire builder. And uh, the relationship of the nations of the empire to Achashverosh was that they paid taxes. So Achashverosh may have said to Haman, what if I kill all these Jews? They're citizens, they pay taxes. Why should I kill them? So Achashverosh said, no, I'm going to get you even more money. I'm going to steal all their money and give it to you. So you, I mean, which was an issue. That was always an issue of Malchus. Uh, how do you support? How do you support the uh, the enterprise? I mean, nothing has changed. You know, we we have the same problem all all the time. Now here in Perikhet, in Perikhet it says, "Vatem kitvu kol ala Yehudim ketov beinechem." That's a chashverus to Mordechai and Esther after the whole story takes a turn. Okay, that's a, a separate discussion. You know, how do you know that something is authentic? That the king uh, actually, I mean, you're standing there in the middle of a plaza in some little town in Persia, and somebody comes along, a herald comes along and says, the king said, you know, everybody should eat, uh, should eat asparagus. Well, how do you know that he said it? How do you know that's true? So they had ways of doing that. That's what this Pasuk is saying. But Pasuk Tetvav in Perezchet, Pasuk Tetvav, Mordechai Yatsam Lafnei Amelch Bevush Malchut, Tchelet Vachur, going back to the beginning of the story of, of uh, Esther, Vateret Zahav Gdola, Vetachrich Butzvar Gaman, Vair Shushan Sa'Allah V'Samecha. So you see that the world had changed. And the world, the change in the world is symbolized by the clothing that Mordechai wears. And the clothing Mordechai wears are Big Day Malchut. And Big Day Malchut, Big Day Malchut were given to Mordechai because he, just as Esther 
was the suitable replacement for Vashti. Mordechai was the suitable replacement for Haman. Because both Vashti and Haman, Vashti you could see because she uh, uh, didn't come when the king said to come. And Haman, you see, uh, was, was running the show. He was telling the king what to do. And he had some power over the king. But Esther and Mordechai, replacing Vashti and Haman, were powerless in the political sense. All they could do was give good advice. And that's what the king needed. He didn't need somebody who would then turn against him. Now, you don't turn against the king unless you have somebody on your side. It's not, you know, the, the, the politics. That's politics. Any event, so the story, in the story of Esther Hamalka, in that story, there is a story about clothing. And the story represents ups and downs. Rashti and Esther, Haman and Mordechai, right? And the clothing tell us that Mordechai was able to save the Jews, even though at first he himself thought that he wouldn't be able to. That's what you have. But it doesn't explain to us, does explain to us why the Megillah wants to tell me all of this. After all, we know that... Uh, that the Jewish people have stressed for many years, uh, let's say simplicity, uh, not, uh, I mean, I guess it's not true about everybody, uh, but it's largely true. You know, the Jews were not showy, show-offy, uh, they were charitable, and you see that, that the result of Purim in uh, Persia was Mishloch Manot, Matanot Yonim a kind of, a different kind of attitude. Whereas in the, in the story itself, there's a lot about clothing and malchut, etc. So in order to explain this, to explain this, there are uh, several sources that I want to remind you of. In Breshit Peregimel, after Adam and Chava are kicked out of the Gan, of Gan Eden, the Pasuk says, The eyes were opened wide, which also means they understood something. Like Pikut, a Pikeach, is a person who understands things. It's not like the surface. It's not like, oh, it just happened. But they, now, what did they understand? They understood that they were naked. I mean, they knew that they were naked. They were naked before they were kicked out of God Eden. So what was it that they understood? What was it about their nakedness that they understood? What they understood was, what they understood was that they could do an Avera. It was before they were kicked out of God Eden before they were kicked out of Gan Eden, the fact that they were naked was the way it was. It, it did not imply transgression or desire, uh, unnecessary desire. It was, it was something, it was the way God had created them. And it was not problematic. 
suddenly having been kicked out of God Eden for doing the wrong thing, they realized that they might become slaves to their own desire. So, and they understood that they were liable to do transgression because of desire. So they covered themselves up. They covered themselves up. With the leaves of the, of the dead, the palm trees. They, they, they did something. It was clothing, clothing at this point, or wearing clothing represents the fact that there's an aspect of us that is not controllable, not easily controllable. And therefore it has to be covered up. One more pasuk. At the end of that story, Hashem is talking to other Mechava at the end of the story, the very last pasuk, Vayas Hashem Elokim Ladam Ulishto Katnot Or What's Katnot Or? Or is leather. Leather is better than Aleikeina. Right? In terms of its uh, durability, say. In terms of its functionality. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made them made them katnot all, whereas they made themselves alei te'ina. Alei te'ina. Rashi says, you see the Rashi in katnot or, yesh divrei agada omrim, halakim ketsiporin ayum medubakin al oran, that they were sort of like glued on, the katnot or were glued on to them, v'yesh omrim davar habamina or, that it was, Something that came from an animal, from the skin of an animal, kigon, semahar navim, shorach, vacham, vasalahem kotnot mimenu. So, okay, this is Rashi. Rashi didn't understand what kotnot or, so he said maybe it's a kind of a covering, a skin, an extra layer of skin, or maybe it's really like a fur coat. Made out of uh, made out of rabbit uh, rabbit skin. Oh, okay, okay, but it, clearly it's a better kind of covering. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu helps Bnei Yisrael helps helps Adam and Chava cover themselves up. That's what the pasuk. That's what the pasuk says. On the one hand, they understood that they had this desire suddenly, which didn't exist as far as they understood, in Gan Eden. And therefore, they knew they had to cover themselves up. And this is verified, validated, approved of by a Kodesh Baruch Hu, who gives them a better quality of clothing. But not only does God give them better clothing, but God also gives them clothing. So in other words, the solution was accepted. This was a good solution. Now, in last week's parasha, Tetzaveh, I mean, Last Shabbos, we learned the Shabbos, and the Pesach says, V'asita b'gdei kodesh laron achicha l'chavod u'letif'eret. That's what the Pesach says. That the Kohanim, the Kohen Gadol, and the Kohanim, all had work clothes. Special clothes that they wore when they went to do the Avodah, 
the service of God in the Beit HaMikdash. And those clothing, that clothing was, according to the Pasuk, Lechavod Uletiferet. Those two words, Kavod and Tiferet, are difficult words. We know that the word Kavod also, uh, uh, refers to the presence of HaKadosh Baruch. Right? Kavod, the, the Anan HaKavod. There is a certain kind of kavod, means honor in a general way, but in the, in the Torah, it also means the presence of God. Tiferet, mystery. It's a mystery word. But it sounds like, it sounds like you're upgrading the Kohanim somehow. That if they would just go with whatever clothing they were wearing, they wouldn't be worthy. Wouldn't be worthy of going to serve God. And lechavodu tiferet means that they will be worthy if you give them this, this special kind of clothing. So you see the Ramban. There are two parts to this Ramban and his interpretation. There are two parts. The first part and the second part. <laughs> In the first part, the Ramban, let's just look quickly at the Ramban. The Ramban, the Ramban says, what is Kavodu Tiferet? He changed the words around a little bit. These two words for those two words. Kavod Tiferet for Nichbad, honored, ve Mifo'ar. Mifo'ar means uh, extremely uh, special. Mifo'ar. Kemosha Markatuv, and he quotes a Pasuk. Then he says, Ki begadim malchutem. You see? You see that? No? What is Levush? These clothing, this clothing that is described in the Torah as the clothing of the Kohanim are Levushay Malchut. Kidmutam Yildeshu HaMalachim Bizmana Torah. Here's the Ramban. You think that the Ramban would become poetic about how special it is, how different it is, how important it is. And what does the Rabban say? The Kohanim, they wore Big Day Malchut. What does Big Day Malchut mean? The kind of clothing that you'd find in the closet of a king. Go to any king. The king of Afghanistan, the king of Ethiopia. You go open the closet. What are you going to find there? Big Day Kuna. That's what you're going to find. And that's what he says. Uh, uh, he says, So according to the Ramban, when Yaakov Avinu made Yosef a Ketonet Basim, what was he saying? What was he saying to everybody? Why, why were the brothers so angry? Because it was Malchuti. What, what did Yosef come? He had a dream, right? Everybody's bowing down to Yosef. And, and Aviv Shamar, he didn't say anything, but he made him a Ketonet Pasim. And of course, everybody knew. Everybody knew who was a Ketonet Pasim. Again, the king of Ethiopia, the king of Abyssinia, the king of, uh, of Afghanistan. They had the Ketonet Pasim. So if Yaakov made a Ketonet Pasim for Yosef, it was as though Yaakov was validating, without saying it, he validated it, what the Ramban says. You know, as making such a coat, uh, Mirukemet means uh, Rikma. Rikma is uh, 
Embroidery, thank you. Embroidery. It's hard. I mean, like you want to wear a, 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 a jacket? Say, hey, jacket. You want an embroidered jacket? Oh, I get another month. Another couple of months. It's like, it's like uh, labor-intensive. It's like labor-intensive. So you, you can't just get that easily. So he says, again, rikma, embroidery. It's not just the piece of cloth itself. Who do they dress up? The coin. The Kohen Gadol was dressed up like a king. That's what the Rabban says. If you go through all the ob- items of clothing, you see the same thing we katuv. Another, another possible. We don't have time to go through all the psukim. But if you skip now, it goes through the ketonet and the mitznefet, and, uh, and, he, and he says, he says, all of this, all of these items of clothing that the Kohen did, uh, the Kohen wore, were actually modeled after the kind of clothing that kings wore in the ancient world. Now listen, I want to tell you something. Rahman had not said this. If somebody would come along today, and uh, there's two, two speakers, and one speaker would say, oh, the clothing of the Kohen, very significant, very holy, very... Okay, it came from God. It was godly clothes. It wasn't. And another guy would come along and say, "No, it's just imitation of, of the king of Egypt." Or the king. So obviously, you know who would uh, who would be excluded from davening Marv that night, right? <laughs> but Ramban says it. Ramban didn't have to say this. Ramban didn't have to say what. What was it that got the Ramban to say? That the clothing of the Kohen are ex- is exactly the same as the c- clothing of the kings. And then, in fact, he has a quote. You have to find it. He also quotes the king. Uh, he quotes the Chashverosh, right? The also, also uh, the, the, the fact that he, here, Uchtiv, you see, two lines from the end of the paragraph. Paragraph, not the end of the page. You see, it says, Adarech HaEmet. Uh, the first three words in the bottom fifth of the page, Aderech HaEmet. Sorry, it's not numbered. Aderech HaEmet. You go two lines above that. Ochtiv, Mordechai Yatzav Ne'amelch Bevush Melchut, Utchelet Rechu, Vachetai Yatzav. We quoted that Pasuk. V'tachrich Butzvagaman, V'tarichu HaMe'il Sheyatevbo. V'tachrich. I'm sorry. So you see, you see that the Kohen, who, what was he wearing, the Kohen? He was wearing what Mordechai wore. Where did Mordechai get his clothes from? Gadol Haman. Where did Haman get his clothes from? They were from the king. You know, it's Haman. Haman wanted to be king. So he figured he'll start from clothing. Who ended up with the clothing? Mordechai. What does the Rabban say? What does the Rabban say? The, the Kohanim, the Kohanim, they're like Mordechai. They have their clothes, though. They're kingly clothes. <laughs> okay. So I'll leave you with a thought. I will leave you with a thought. 
the thought is, I mean, if we could learn this Ramban, we'd learn the second half of the Ramban also, which is about Adar Chatzot, but we'll leave that be for this year. I'll leave you the thought. The story of Adam and Chava coming out of Gan Eden, the story of Adam and Chava coming out of, and suddenly realizing that they really, that they had a problem, that suddenly they were controlled by desire, the desire to eat everything. That's what got them kicked out of, of Gan Eden. And maybe like uncontrolled sexual desire, which uh, didn't exist before. Didn't exist before. HaKadosh Baruch says to Adam Harisha, Pru Urvu. What does Pru Urvu mean? It means like if God didn't say it, maybe it wouldn't have happened. It's not like... Uh, like uh, uh, the sexual encounter was something obvious, something that would happen anyway. But I course, you have to reproduce. Didn't say that to the animals. For the animals, a simple desire, produce whatever result is supposed to be produced, but for Adam and Chava, then later on for Noah. The idea that you had to that, that, that man was created, man and woman were created humbly, with humility, and without a special desire. The first thing that Adam and Chava did, which indicated they'd lost control of desire, was to eat what they had been forbidden to them to eat. And when they got kicked out of God Eden, they realized that that's who they were. That's who they were. And therefore, there begins a long process of recovery. Right in, the, in Kabbalah, they call it tikkun. In Hasidut, tikkun. Tikkun means you fix something that broke. What broke was that Adam and Chava were created in a kind of a perfect way. And that they would be able to do what they had to do in the world, in Gan Eden, without any kind of extraneous drives pushing them in this direction or that. Kicking, uh, kicking them out of Gan Eden, kicking them out of Gan Eden was, uh, led to the recognition by Adam and Chava of who they were and who, what they had to deal with. And the story the story begins with the Adam and Chava feverishly finding some way to cover themselves up because they knew that they could not face HaKadosh Baruch Hu as slaves to their own desire. It was the desire that they recognized in themselves was counter-indicated to the notion of Kedusha which is necessary in order to stand before HaKadosh Baruch. So in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Chava would walk around and God would speak to them. They were always prepared. They were always in this state of accepting the Shefa, the abundance from heaven. But once they recognized who they were, they knew that they'd lost that power. They were not going to be able to simply stand there and have a conversation with the Rebbe Nishlalo. 
So they covered themselves up. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu went to them and said, said, okay, you've got the right idea. But the covering of Adam and Chaba could be improved. It could be still a better covering. And that's the cut note R. And along comes the Ramban. And the Ramban says, after all, it's the Kohanim who go into the Makom HaKodesh, into the sacred place. It's the Kohakoin Gadol once a year who goes into the Kodesh Kadashim. And therefore, therefore it's important that the Kohanim have the appropriate clothing, that they are covered up properly so that they can meet, they can meet the Shechina, they can meet the Kodesh Bochur, they can daven for the tzibur, for everybody else. I mean, that becomes, because of Adar and Chava, because of what happened to us, we have to protect ourselves from desire entering the, 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 the uh, uh, entering into the, the cheshbon, into the, uh, the matter when we stand before God. So that it's important to understand that the clothing that the Kohanim wear is not l'chatchila. It's not a priori. It's not the way it should have been according to the Ramban. But we borrow the clothing of Malchut. We borrow the clothing of Malchut in order, in order to make sure that we can stand before HaKadosh Baruch But not l'chatchila, l'chatchila. I'm sorry. Rechatchila, a priori, there shouldn't have been anything. Didn't have to have clothing. But now that we need clothing, we're going to borrow the clothing of Malchut. What is the clothing of Malchut? The clothing of Malchut, as we see in Esther, is the recognition that you have a, a partnership in determining how history will evolve. And that was the lesson that Mordechai learned. That Mordechai learned that Sakva Efer is not always appropriate. That sometimes you have to know that there is also a big day Malchut option. Sakva Efer means you have no control. It's happened. It happened to you. All you can do is separate yourself from the community and not take a leadership role. But big day malchut means that you can make a determination and you can, understand, you can do. So that big day malchut is what enables you to stand before HaKadosh Baruch. It's true that sometimes people stand before God and they're broken and they're beaten and they have no, no strength. But that's only a, a, an attitude that is generated they generated in, in some people. But the story of Esther tells us that this is not the way it should always be. So when Mordechai says to Esther, if you don't do it, somebody will do it. So he understood, he was understanding, that is, Mordechai was understanding that, that Malchut was bequeathed to Am Yisrael. We had to just find it, we had to discover it. We had discovered within ourselves 
in order to fight against fight against Haman. So you have this theme, I said at the beginning that we would talk about clothing. And clothing was generated by Adam and Chava, and we use clothing in order to um, to create a new persona. We're not who we might be. The clothing is what enables us to say about ourselves that we're not controlled by desire. And that's not the way. That's not the way we are made. And the story of Mordechai and Esther is the story that highlights this in our lives, in our world. There's Big Day Malchut. Big Day Malchut means control, direction, being able to make determinations. And all of that, all of that goes back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying to Adam and Chava, okay, you covered yourself up with fig leaves, but you can do better than that. Here the cut note are. And this is uh, a story in the Megillah of Esther that seems to me to have also implications for our time. But everybody can see that as they will. Have a wonderful Purim. Purim Samech. All the best.